Well, FOMC minutes, what was in them? We'll look at that hot off the press today. No big surprises. It's the NVIDIA results, actually, that everyone's been holding out for anyway. But what about Australia's wage inflation? How big a worry is that? We'll look at yesterday's numbers. And it's PMI day today. Will Europe manage to get anything over 50? And more disunity in the Bank of England as well. It's Thursday. It's the 22nd of February, 2024. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, bond yields are pushing higher, eight basis points for German bunds. In fact, much of Europe is eight or nine basis points up, up six in the UK, but just four basis points higher for 10-year treasuries in the US. US shares have been down again for most of the session. They picked up towards the end, so the Dow finishing up 0.1%, the same for the S&P 500, but the Nasdaq down 0.3% lower at close. The Russell 2000 finished down half a percent. Most sectors, though, are higher. It's actually the tech sector which is bringing shares down, and NVIDIA has gone Gone down even more in after-hours trade, losing about 3.4% after their results came out just this morning. So, and yet they the results look good. So, uh, 20. 2.1 billion in revenue, which beat the uh, forecast of 20.4. Uh, and then looking ahead as well, the expectations for Q1 there, their forecast is 24 billion against expectations of 22. So that seems like a beat. Uh, but the share market not satisfied, clearly not sure what they want. Uh, also at the close, the FTSE 100 was three quarters of 1% lower, uh, 0.3% rise in the DAX. The US dollar is down just 0.1%. It's been a bit up and down on the DXY. Against that, the Aussie dollar is marginally down. The pound and euro both at 0.1%, but really not much going on in terms of currency moves. And oil is pushing high. WTI is up one and a quarter percent. Brent up 0.9% to over 83 a barrel. So it's Gavin Friend from NAB who is uh, joining me from London today. Uh, let's start with the FRMC minutes, hot off the press. Marginal reaction to them, uh, but guess what they say? They, you know, they they say they want to see more progress to their inflation target before they cut. Uh, they remain highly attentive to inflation risks. I mean, was there anything in there in there that we you know haven't heard already and we didn't already know? Well, good morning, Phil. I mean, one might say that uh, some FOMC members showed uh, great foresight. I mean, remember these were the minutes from the 30, uh, 31st of uh, January meeting before the most recent push-up in inflation as per the Jan C- CPI report, the PPI reports, and the surge in, in the jobs in the non-farm payroll. Um, the minutes revealed that some members saw a risk uh, that inflation progress could stall. If you'd asked them that today, I suspect you'd see even more with that view. Meantime, most Fed officials noted that the risk of cutting too early, or there was a risk of that. Now, that might play to, you know, the, partly to the market pricing at the time. Remember, back then, um, a first of May cut was priced 31%. Uh, 30, sorry, a first of May cut was uh, priced by 31 basis points, so i.e. more than fully uh, priced into the market today, that's just eight basis points. Um, all that said, officials judged rates were at their peak. And I think, you know, for all the focus on CPI, shelter, non-farm payroll, PPI, and even the softer retail sales that we saw last week, the takeaway is that, you know, the Fed uh, and investors, they need more data because there's a good there's good reason, I think enough reason, to think that there's some anomalies going on, some data quirks that need ironing out. And, um, you know, um, we can't forget, you know, that uh, or we must remember that policy is mm. is is very restrictive. That's the Fed's definition. 
um, and excellent progress has been made right. on, on cutting inflation. But so, it's, it's going to take longer, know, though. That's, that's the gist of it, isn't it? There's nothing in there that's not dissuaded us from that idea that things are going to take longer from the, from the Fed no, before the cut rates. So, look, and a sign of that delay uh, is the fact that um, banks have now pushed their mortgage rates back up from below 6.8% at the end of January to almost 7.1% last week. Uh, and we've also had an almost 11% drop in mortgages. So the market's certainly adjusting to that. Now, look, uh, let's look at the uh, disunity in the Bank of England as well. Uh, so, you know, maybe their timing is starting to change. But in the other way, because I mentioned Andy Haldane yesterday saying that he wanted to cut rates because otherwise they could crash the economy. Uh, so Swati Jahendra, who's a voting member of the MPC, who voted for a cut last time, it should be said, uh, was speaking earlier today saying that they risk the recovery in the economy um, but if they don't cut. She's saying, you know, they are still not back to pre-pandemic levels. That's the difference, isn't it? Many other places like the US, for example, uh, and Europe, back to pre-pandemic levels, but not in the, for the UK economy. And they risk a hard landing with the scarring of supply capacity. Uh, so long-term effects is what she's saying. So there's that pressure now, isn't there, within the Bank of England for them to actually move earlier? Yeah, there is. And remember, I mean, they do look very um, divided. We had, remember, the last meeting, two members, unbelievably, still calling for rate hikes. Mm. Um, shake my head as I say it. Um, yeah, to the to the points from Dingra. I mean, she she's she's not voted for hikes for some time, so she is the you know, the arch dove on the MPC. But I think she has a point. She said, she said on Wednesday, you know, inflation is already on a firm downward path. And after a stunted start, we know that that is the case. We're at four percent on the headline rate. Um, that the, the, the narrative the market's been running with the last couple of months is is that, and this this applies to the UK, eurozone, and US. Is yeah, but it's all stopped, right? That the the the, yeah. the disinflation process has stalled. Well, we've been warning about that in terms of you know for the, for for the UK and the eurozone for a couple of months now, actually since last November, because you had a bit of a, um, a chop up in the uh, in the base effects. That all of that um, is going to stop, uh, and as from the next month's numbers that we're going to get uh, for February, which we'll get in March uh, for the UK and for the eurozone, uh, we're going to start to see some quite sizable base effects drop back out of those numbers. So we for for mm. for, for the UK at four percent headline, we're going to be down uh, below two percent, heading towards one percent. By the summer, over the next three to six months, some quite sizable base effects that fall they out. Hard, isn't it? The political pressure Annual will be enormous to try it. To, well, you know. well, the, the, I think for the markets, I mean, if you're going to get that, and we're going to get a similar, maybe slightly less dramatic move uh, for, in the eurozone as well, and we'll get that actually from, you know, actually uh, later today. There's the final January numbers, but the the, the focus is going to be next week. So we're going to get the um, the preview or the preliminary February numbers for eurozone mm. next week. But of course, that starts from a low level. Headline inflation in Europe is at two point eight percent, so it doesn't, you know, it's not at four like in the UK. But the the, the effects from the base effects is, is the same over are we, the next. Are we getting the same? Months. We're not getting the same degree of disunity in the ECB, though. Um, we? Well, um, so I would say not because you know the Bank of England has been you know trenchant in its its. Okay, we can now see rate cuts, but later in the year, and you saw in the week, you know, a bit of a pushback for for multiple rate cuts. Even if Andrew Bailey said the market's about right in terms of you know the idea of a rate cut in Europe, we know that Christine Lagarde, uh, the ECB president in Davos two or three weeks ago, was was saying you know summer cuts. She 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 confirmed that at the uh, 
at the following meeting from, from the ECB. And so that suggests June or July, not the April that the markets were then pricing in and that we have as our base view. And of course, the collective pullback in markets to when rate cuts will start and, and how much they'll be has seen that April pricing come off now. It's now only halfway priced. It's about 10, 11 basis points for, the, for, for April. So there's still a question mark there. But come back to what I just said. If we're starting to see over the next, from next week, the next two or three months, big falls in inflation on the headline level, that's going to pull markets back a little bit towards where they were. They're a bit wary because we're not going to see the same thing in the US. We still need to see more data there because of the noise that's going on in in, in, in payrolls, in CPI and shelter and those kinds of things. That's not the same uh, dynamic that we're looking at in Europe and the UK. And so I think markets here are going to get a bit more excited uh, about that. It's it's Behaviorally, it's going to pull markets into pricing rates, uh, rate cuts earlier and more aggressive for the year. And so I think, you know, going back to what uh, Dingra said, and she's, she, I think she's onto something. And um, this will be a good news story for the Bank of England because it will give them some confidence that maybe they can go a little bit earlier than what they were thinking. I mean, we're still going for August and three cuts this year. But the risk to us is that, is, is that the Bank of England ends up going in June Mm, same time as the ECB, back. perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, all paths seem to be converging to June, don't they? Yeah, for the they Fed do. As well, yeah, even for the US, exactly. Absolutely. Everyone's going at the same time. So, well, okay, perhaps not Australia, though. So, uh, you know, big concerns about wages in Australia, although, you know, 4.2% for Q4, uh, the wage price index yesterday, up from 4.1% the previous quarter. But that's not because there was a move in that last quarter. It was actually a revision to Q2, which has pushed that annual number up. So, so really, it doesn't change anything, does it? These numbers yesterday. Well, yeah. I mean, you're right. You're right. You know, there's a there's a there's a, an upward revision for the backward data. Um, but you know, overall, you're still saying, um, you know, these are the highest annual numbers now since uh, 2009. Whether it was because of the backward revision just also notice that on the quarter that 0.9 for q4 um unrounded it was a high 0.9 right i mean it doesn't change the annual thing but it you know it just plays to the idea that um you know if you think about it from from an rba point of view you know they they were forecasting 4.1 percent uh their february uh, forecast round for um you know until mid 2024 and then a gradual slide to 3.2 percent um over the next two years into 2026 and so this slight upside mix at 4.2 um just you know tests the rba's understanding and tolerance i think for um you know um and it means they'll remain focused on this you know we, we've been saying that the risk remains that wages growth contributes to more persistent domestic inflation than the rba you know, perhaps hoped. The counter argument, I think, is is that the labour market there, you know, though the the monthly jobs numbers are obviously very volatile, um, is cooling, uh, and over time the RBA sees, um, you know, a slightly higher unemployment rate, and that will help keep a lid on wage growth. If you look at the what came out yesterday in terms of the private uh, public sector breakdown, private sector wages have moderated. 0.9 Q on Q, especially in more sort of flexible parts of the labour force. But in the public sector, wages were stronger at 1.3% Q on Q. As my colleague uh, Taylor wrote in his, uh, in, his, in, his, in his note after the release, you know, public sector collective agreements tend to be more inertial. You know, they, they have a sense, there's a sense of momentum there. It's harder to stop. And I can think all up, this is, uh, this is, uh, you know, another factor that, you know, why you know, we now think that the RBA, you know, will be cautious mm. 
you know, on on rate cuts, and uh, in, in, and you know, we're, we're not expecting any until November. Yeah, one of those uh, interesting uh, things in Taylor's note. By the way, Taylor's note you can get if you're a NAB customer. It's one of those things, the deep insights that you know anyone can get the morning call for free. But if you want to get the deep insights sent to your mailbox, you've got to be a NAB customer. Uh, and it he's mapped in that uh, in that analysis private sector wage growth mapped against the unemployment rate, showing that. Unemployment, you know, you'd imagine, wouldn't you? If unemployment is low, then wage growth is going to be higher. Uh, but I'm not really sure that's happening now. If you look at the best fit line for pre-pandemic times, we are at levels that where you'd expect when unemployment is much higher at five percent, much much higher than it is today. So does that mean wage inflation is less of an issue, or does it mean that it's it's a warning that it could go higher? Not sure. You could take it both ways, couldn't you? Anyway, look, it's PMI day today. France, Germany, the euro area, the UK, the US. Nothing above 50 uh, in Europe last time, but UK services was at 54.3. And uh, in the US, services and manufacturing, both well into the 50s. So it is showing us that divide, isn't it, between the two that we've been seeing for a while now? Yeah, it is. Um, the market tends to focus more on Europe um, about these. You know, for the US is the obvious reason that they have the ISM um, series, which tends to be a bigger, bigger sample size. The UK, to your point, is a surprise. I mean, we... You know, we've been wondering um, since October, those numbers have, have gone up above 50 on a bit of a tear and, you know, expecting, well, it doesn't really corroborate with some of the other anecdotal da- data that we're getting out of the UK in terms of activity and GDP, obviously, you know, slumping into a technical recession. But if you think about, you know, the story about the GDP is, well, that's backward looking. And actually this year, things can pick up a bit as real income growth pushes up and uh, inflation's a bit lower there and, um, you know, lower energy prices. Actually, in Q1, we're probably already out of that technical recession. So those numbers play to this. And to the extent that that continues, I think that'll play well with sterling, um, particularly against Europe, because Europe isn't seeing it, to your point. Um, but I think on Europe even, you know, the, the, the trend, it's glacial. But I think there's a slight improvement there in the services. We're trying to get up. We're in the high 48s, trying to get up to that 50 area. More broadly, on the manufacturing side, it's a global story. China's improving, the US is improving, um, and there seems to be a you know a view, a nascent recovery going on in the sort of manufacturing uh, story globally, and that we'll get back up to that fifty area. That's good for risk markets. It's good for the idea that the world just doesn't need to rely on the US solely as the engine of growth. You know, mm. and um, you know, but it's going to take a little while. Bit of balancing out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, you mentioned that we get the final read for the euro area inflation. Uh, we also get the ECB monetary policy meeting accounts. I think I mentioned that as well. But retail sales for Canada uh, and the jobless claims for the United States, plus oil inventories. Uh, that'll be interesting. You might have noticed oil prices are creeping up again a little bit, but we'll do uh, that'll do for now. Thanks, Gavin. Cheers, Phil. And that's the morning call for this Thursday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you again tomorrow morning. Thanks for listening.